0: Welcome to episode 9 of the Search with Canada podcast, recorded on Friday the 10th of May 2019. My name's Mark Williams-Cook and I'm going to try and make your lives a bit easier by helping you catch up with this week's search news. This week we had the Google I.O. developer conference and some other announcements from Google, so I'm gonna talk about some new features coming to Google Search and what you should know about them and what they mean. There's also been some technical changes to Googlebot, which Google's announced. Um, about how google can handle javascript and i'll go through both a technical and non-technical explanation of what's going on there and it wouldn't be a search with gander podcast if i didn't somehow mention schema google's added support for some new types of schema which look like they're going to be really helpful Kicking off with some changes to Google Search and really interesting, quite exciting announcement. Twofold. Google has announced AR in search, so that's augmented reality in search, and some new features to Google Lens. So starting with the aug- augmented reality, if you don't know what augmented reality is, you've probably seen it before. It's it's not VR, so VR is when you have total virtual environments, and augmented reality is essentially when you're blending. Reality with virtual reality, so you've got overlays of virtual objects in the real world. So Google's announcement uh, reads, uh, reads like this, saying, With new AR features in Search rolling out later this month, you can view and interact with 3D objects right from Search and place them directly into your own space, giving you a sense of scale and detail. For example, it's one thing to read that a great white shark can be 18 feet long, It's another to see it up close in relation to things around you. So when you search for select animals, you'll get an option right in the knowledge panel to view them in 3D and augmented reality. There's a link in the show notes which will have an image of what Google's explaining here, which is basically a great white shark in someone's room. And I think it's another example of SEO being about The best type of content to answer a query so when I've I've mentioned this before when you have content writers or marketers or SEOs and they talk about content creation some people immediately jump to that meaning content equals text whereas we know there's lots of different ways to deliver content Uh, one example I like to use and it's an example I saw which was trying to explain to someone how tall the shard of glass is in London and one of the best ways to to answer that question isn't to say it's so many meters or so many feet high, it's actually to use an image. And you can actually, if you if you look at the search data there, you'll see people are searching for how tall is the shard compared to the Eiffel Tower? So this says to me that maybe the best way to answer that question is actually with an image Comparing how tall the shard is compared to the Eiffel Tower or Empire State Building or Berlin TV Tower or something the user is familiar of that instantly Answers the question for them in a in a way that they can understand Whereas if you say it's X number of meters tall that might be quite hard for someone to imagine So this this AR I think is another really rich way for Google to answer the question in the best richest possible medium and there's lots of potential uses i think for this they've they've given another example in in their blog post which i'll link to in the show notes which is just if someone's doing some research uh on human anatomy and they've they've been given a 3d model of the of an arm and how the joints work in 3d over their desk that they're viewing they're viewing blended into a search result so there's lots of commercial applications for this we've seen it happen in some examples with dedicated apps in fashion in in hair styling where you've been able to look at yourself and you've been able to see what it would look like if you had a pair of a different pair of trainers on your feet or if you had a different haircut and I think they're really interesting examples and that might be something we start to see advertisers organizations doing is finding a way to use this in a in a commercial sense rather than just at the moment Google's presenting it as a as, a, as an informational thing so I think it'll be really interesting to see how that that develops and um, the other announcement is around Google Lens if you haven't if you don't know what Google Lens is, or you haven't tried it, I would recommend you can get it through the Google app. So if you've got uh, if you've got an Android, it will kind of be baked in there. If you've got something like an iPhone, you can download the Google app, and part of that is Google Lens. So Google Lens was I think it was announced in 2017 originally it's uh, so the description of google lens from google is google lens is an ai powered technology that uses your smartphone camera and deep machine learning not only to detect an object but understand what it detects and offer actions based on what it sees so if you open up the google app and go to the search bar you'll see an icon in there for google lens you press that and your, your phone will switch to camera mode and point it around and you can kind of tap on different objects and if it's like a product, Google will do a kind of scarily good job. You'll probably find it quite unnerving the first time you use it, just how good the image recognition is. It will be able to tell you what products are and immediately link to where you can buy them on the web. Even kind of random objects, you know, you can sort of scan you know, animals or your hand or whatever and Google will identify what those objects are. So kind of fun uh, if you haven't used it before, it's a really interesting tool. Google's announcement around Google's Lens, uh, again, takes this almost to the next level. I'll just read it, I'll read it to you and then we'll talk about it. Google says, say you're at a restaurant figuring out what to order. Lens can automatically highlight which dishes are popular right on the physical menu. When you tap on a dish, you can also see what it actually looks like and what people are saying about it, thanks to photos and reviews from Google Maps. They say to pull this off, Lens first has to identify all the dishes on the menu, looking for things like font, style, size, and color to differentiate dishes from descriptions. Next, it matches the dish names with the relevant photos and reviews for that restaurant in Google Maps that's quite a few steps Google Lens is taking there to provide you that information and I think this again this is um, a really good example of Google kind of taking almost their crawling and indexing into the real world and meshing up offline stuff with online data and this is really opening up I think this world where we've got an even even greater than we have now increased access flow of information so your digital footprint as an organization is going to be more important than ever people want to find out about you know what's on your menu and what people think about it no longer do they have to you know look at pdfs of menus online and then try and find a review site where someone's been and ate and eaten at your restaurant and left a review they can tap into that information directly and do it from Google's databases so it's it's changing this paradigm of you doing a search having a list of pages and then you finding the right web page for you the information's being stored directly from Google and then being delivered and and essentially leapfrogging over the whole the whole website thing that's going to again, force people to start caretaking uh, their online presence a bit more outside of, their, outside of their website. We've also had an announcement this week. So on Tuesday, the 7th of May, Google did a post called The New Evergreen Googlebot and they said, Googlebot is the crawler that visits web pages to include them within Google search index. The number one question we got from the community at events and social media was if we could make Googlebot evergreen with the latest Chromium. Today, we are happy to announce that Googlebot now runs the latest Chromium rendering engine, 74, at the time of this post, when rendering pages for search. Moving forward, Googlebot will regularly update its rendering engine to ensure support for the latest web platform features. So, what this means is, as the post says, we know Googlebot is the agent that goes around and kind of looks at pages on the web for Google. And up until recently, it was as if Google was looking at the web from essentially a really old, version of Chrome and what they're saying is by Evergreen is that they are going to now continue to update Googlebot alongside in parallel with Chrome meaning that however you're viewing the web now through Chrome you can assume that Googlebot is having the same experience essentially. Google have also written what this means for you. Compared to the previous version, Googlebot now supports 1000 plus new features like ES6 and newer JavaScript features, intersection observer for lazy loading, web components, version one APIs. And they go on to say, you should check if you're transpiling or using polyfills specifically for Googlebot, and if so, evaluate if this is still necessary. So (laughs) what does this mean? So if if you're a developer, hopefully everything I said uh, just makes sense. If you're not a developer, you are probably run- wondering what ES6, Intersection Observer, Lazy Loading, Transpiling, Polyfills, etc. are. So I will try and give you a little bit of background and context to this. Um, it's good news, uh, but it doesn't actually fix a lot of the main problems we encounter with JavaScript with SEO. So to to take some some examples from this, A lot of this is around web browsers, so when you're viewing web pages have certain functionality that's built into the actual browser that can be utilized with JavaScript. There are cases where a web browser might not support that function, so a specific brand of web browser, or historically what we're referring to here is Googlebot wouldn't support that particular function that's, say, built into a newer version of Chrome. So what you would do is use a thing called a polyfill, which is essentially a chunk of code that provides that function. So again, normally if everyone was running the most up-to-date version and we're all using the same browser, we would know exactly what that browser's capable of doing. There are instances such as Googlebot when it was running old versions of Chrome or you know, Internet Explorer, so if people are using Internet Explorer, that sometimes, the browser isn't supporting the function the developer wants it to do. So they use a thing called polyfill, which is essentially this chunk of code that will provide that functionality because it's not built into the browser. What this means is that Googlebot will essentially have the same capability to render JavaScript as a user's browser, which is great. Doesn't mean we're in a world where we don't have to worry about JavaScript and SEO. No, not at all, uh, unfortunately not. So to give you a little bit of background to this, What's actually going on is Google does its crawling, indexing, rendering in a phased process, meaning the first crawl of your site and when the pages first get indexed, it actually won't execute any JavaScript. Did a test on this recently, and what we did was we put some new pages up for Google to index, which it did uh, within minutes. So we request we requested these pages to be indexed through Google Search Console. And what we did on these pages was we just used JavaScript to change the page title. The idea being that we could see which page title was shown in the search results and we would know if Google had executed the JavaScript. In this particular case, we found that the pages, as I said, were indexed within a few minutes. However, it took Google 24 days to get around to executing the JavaScript on that page. And the reason for this is that it's actually very expensive from a processing point of view. It's very resource intensive for Google to execute JavaScript, therefore it tends to take this approach of it will gobble up pages, just kind of the raw HTML without executing the JavaScript, put those in its index, and then there's a backlog that it goes through and renders those pages and updates with the, the JavaScript version. So. This update with Googlebot, while it's increased the capability to improve the fidelity of the JavaScript rendering, it's not going to speed things up. This means if you still have a site that is reliant on JavaScript, so uh, Wix websites are a good example, you have to have JavaScript for them to to show you anything, you're still going to be hamstringing yourself massively. So if you have JavaScript and it's required to for Googlebot to access the navigation, it's gonna be days or weeks between discovering separate pages on the sites. So unfortunately, we're not quite there. Um, I don't know if Google ever have the processing power. I guess they probably will one day to execute JavaScript kind of on the fly, but we're certainly not there yet, and it still needs to be near the top of your list of things to fix. Okay, we're back onto schema, as we know, structured data being apparently one of my favorite subjects. Uh, This Wednesday on the 8th of May Google announced support for two new types of structured data FAQ and how to on Google search and Google Assistant including new reports in Search Console to monitor how your site is performing with those. They've given a really nice example for how to tie a tie. So an example of their, the how-to structured data and what it will look like in the search result. So you can see um, in the show notes, we've got an image here that's constituting a few individual cards which have images of each step and they're numbered and you can kind of swipe between them. And we've got another example of how to tile a kitchen backsplash which has got kind of the regular rich snippet that starts with the instructions but then we've got uh, the extra details of how many steps it is. It says five steps, the duration, three days and we've got concertinas we can click on to see the tools and materials we need and then one is prepare the surface, two is plan your layout, three is prepare and apply your mortar. So these are going to these concertina boxes you can click on to to get more detail. What's really interesting here is Google goes on to say, as shown in the Google Home Hub example, the Assistant provides a conversational, hands-free experience that can help users complete a task. This is an incredibly lightweight way for web developers to expand their content to the Assistant. So using this schema is essentially giving Google the granularity and quality of detail it needs to be confident enough that it understands this is the question i'm answering these are how the steps break down and it can then be delivered through the google assistant in a way that you can ask it for for one step at a time so again it's it's opening up your data to be accessed through another medium instead of just your web page google have also got and details on their FAQ on search and Google Assistant saying an FAQ page provides a list of frequently asked questions and answers on a particular topic for example an FAQ page on an e-commerce website might provide answers on shipping destinations purchase options return policies and refund processes by using FAQ page structured data you can make your content eligible to display these questions and answers to display directly on Google search and the assistant, helping users to quickly find answers to frequently asked questions. And then they link you off to the developer documentation. This is another another step for webmasters, business owners, It's, it's more effort, it's another thing to add, and it's another step away Google's taking from their search and click model of you do a search you look through the results and then you try and find a a page that's useful to you you've probably heard the term SEO is AEO now so that's search engine optimization is answers engine optimization so there are people saying search engine optimization is almost over and now what we're really doing is answers engine optimization so we're trying to help Google directly answer people there's a whole other debate you can have about how this affects publishers and businesses in that you know google are kind of scraping their information their content their data circumnavigating their websites and profiting from it but the fact is that this will be the path of least resistance for users so that in my experience that i've seen historically tends to become the the dominant default behavior they will do what's easiest for them they'll do the least expensive thing to get the information they need something we tell a lot of our clients is that well all of them is that they have to consider their website is never finished and that's because technology moves on very quickly user expectations move on very quickly and there can be um, a good first adopter advantage for implementing things like this structured data to be the first person to provide answers to those questions to be the default answer on these personal assistants can be quite a powerful position to get yourself into so definitely something we're going to be having discussions with our clients about whether we can add this to their sites i hope you've enjoyed this episode i'll be back in a week on may the 20th with the next one And we've got the Google Marketing Live conference on the 14th of May, so I'm sure there'll be absolutely loads to talk about. You can find this episode's show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. I'm Mark Williams-Cook, and I hope you have a great week.